Praise the Lord. So what to do when you don't know what to do? Amen. Now, I found out later that that was not an original title. (laughs) Other people have thought of that. But I want you to know it was original to me. And I was riding in my car, praying in the Holy Ghost, as I am wont to do. And the Lord said, tell the people what to do when they don't know what to do. I said, that's great, Lord. You're going to have to give that one to me. (laughs) And I prayed in the spirit and I sat down with my phone. And within about 10 minutes, the Lord gave me a complete outline. And that's what I'm giving you right now. This is a message that came directly from the Holy Ghost. And I felt like, as my wife would say, it was the message of the hour, so to speak. Amen. So there are times in our lives when we face the challenges of life. When it seems like the whole world is closing in all around us. Amen. Amen. Times when so many things are coming against us from all sides. We have no answers. We don't know what to do. And sometimes we don't even know how to pray. Amen. That's why it's so important for believers to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And learn to pray with other tongues. Now that's not what this message is about. But I cannot let this pass without making this point. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and you need to be talking in tongues. Specifically, you need to be praying in tongues to the Father God so that your spirit hooks up with the Holy Spirit of God and prays divine intercession according to the will of God. It's the only time you know when you pray that you're praying a perfect prayer. Let me show you that in the Scriptures. Romans chapter 8. Verse 26 through 28. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, in the classical Greek, that is literally rendered something like this. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be articulated in our natural speech or our native tongue. So you have to kick into another gear and you have to depend on the heavenly language that the Lord gives you when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost so you can bypass your mind and pray according to the will of the Spirit. And when you do that, the Bible says, And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, there's a lot of preachers and a lot of churches that quote that verse and they quote it out of context. I would submit to you that you can't really claim that verse unless you've been praying in the Holy Ghost. Because it goes together. It says when you hook up for the Holy Spirit and you connect with God heart to heart, deep to deep, you make that Holy Ghost connection. You pray out the Spirit of God, prays out the will of God from your heart to His heart. When you do that, the Bible says, then everything will begin to work together for your good. Even the things the enemy brings to destroy you, God will turn them around and make them help you instead of hurt you. Amen. But back to the message, what to do when you don't know what to do. There will be times when we feel trapped, when it seems like there's no way out. Times when we face overwhelming odds, when victory seems unattainable. Times when it seems that 
All is lost. Our future is bleak. And there's no hope of restoration or recovery. Now, we've all been there at one time or another. Isn't that right? When those times come, we have to be ready. We need to know what to do. And one of the things I love so much about the Bible is the richness of the stories, the depth of its characters, the variety of the types of people and the different battles that they faced. I dare say there's not one scenario you will face in this life that has not been faced by someone in the Bible in one form or another. The details might be different. The times might be different. The culture might be different. But the circumstances will sound all too familiar. Amen? That's why sometimes you need to turn to the Bible when you don't know what to do. Because inevitably, when you do, you'll find somebody who's been through what you're going through. Amen? And it'll chart the path to victory for you. Amen? We're going to start with Moses and the Israelites as they cross the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 14, we read that the Egyptians became angry after they let the Israelites go, and Pharaoh ordered his army to track them down and destroy them. An army led by 600 chariots was in hot pursuit of the Israelites who were on foot. It wasn't long before they caught up with them, and the geography was such that they found themselves in what looked like a trap. They had mountains on either side of them, the Egyptian army behind them, and the Red Sea in front of them. Death at the hands of the Egyptians seemed inevitable. Amen? In the English Standard Version, verse 10, and we're going to read selected verses because it's a very lengthy passage here. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. That's the first thing you should do. Cry out to the Lord. But if you read later on, they started complaining about Moses. Cry out to the Lord and don't complain. That's my advice to you. Verse 13 says, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. In other words, just be quiet and watch what God will do for you. Amen? Sometimes we need to shut our trap and just watch what God will do for us. We need to seek the Lord, keep our mouth shut, don't speak the problem, speak the solution. Amen? Hallelujah. Then verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Skip on down to verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. Verse 28, the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea 
the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Amen. Amen. What a great deliverance. So what can we learn from this experience? You probably heard this since you were in Sunday school, but listen, we need to think about it. Sometimes God will lead you along a certain path. He will give you a certain assignment knowing that you will be opposed, knowing that the enemy will do everything he can to disrupt, discourage, and defeat you before the plan of God can fully unfold before you. Isn't that right? At times like this, we we might feel trapped by our circumstances and we might be tempted to feel that there's simply no way out. I was feeling this way many years ago, facing similar circumstances. I felt trapped, and I felt like there was no way out. Suddenly, I remembered something that Jesus said, and it sparked something on the inside of me. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Did you catch that? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. So the way I see it, if Jesus is alive and he said, I am the way, that says to me, when Jesus gets involved in your situation, whatever you're facing, there's always a way. If he's the only way to the Father, then he's the only way to everything else I need to fulfill my calling in life. So the number one thing we can learn from the story of Moses and the parting of the Red Sea is this. With God, there is always a way. There's always a way out. There's always a way forward. It may be an ordinary way that we just didn't think about. It may be an unconventional way. It may be a miraculous way. Or it may be a way that we didn't even know existed. But there's always a way. Amen. God is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. And we experienced that recently here at Faith Life Fellowship. Amen. Hallelujah. So now I'm going to talk about Jehoshaphat and the invasion of Judah. We're going to go through these quickly, but you're going to learn something and you're going to rejoice. In fact, you might have to run in this sanctuary. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 20 in the English Standard Version. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites and with them some of the Meunites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, and your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. And skip on down to verse 10. He's still praying. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you've given us to inherit. Listen to this. Verse 12 is amazing. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? 
for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. When you don't know what to do, fix your eyes on the Lord. Even if you have to say, like King Jehoshaphat said, Lord, I don't know what to do. But one thing I do know to do is turn my eyes on you and seek your face. There's a lesson in here for all of us. When you don't know what to do, keep your eyes on the Lord. The people of God were facing overwhelming odds. The armies of three nations were coming against them all at once. Jehoshaphat didn't know exactly what to do, but he knew enough to seek the counsel of the Lord. Amen. He proclaimed a fast and they fasted and prayed until they heard from God. God spoke to them prophetically through a man by the name of Jehaziel. He was a Levite. He stood up and he prophesied that they would not have to fight against these armies. Verse 15. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The next time you don't know what to do, turn your eyes on the Lord and say to him, the battle's yours, Lord, not mine. Just show me what to do. That's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. And at the leading of the Lord, Jehoshaphat instructed the Levites, the praisers and the worshipers to lead the way as the armies of Judah approached the battlefield. And when they started praising the Lord, the Lord caused the three invading armies to fight against one another and they continued to fight against one another until they were completely destroyed. Praise God. When we praise the Lord, it sets the armies of our enemy in disarray. Amen. It's always appropriate to praise God, especially when you're facing difficulty and trial. When the armies of Judah came to a watchtower in the wilderness, they were able to survey the landscape and see what had befallen these three armies. And the Bible says, as far as the eye could see, all they saw was dead bodies. There was none of them left. They were completely routed and completely destroyed. And no Israelite even had to do so much as raise a spear, shoot an arrow, or raise a sword. God did it for them. Amen. All they did was praise God and worship Him as they approached the battlefield. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Last of all, let's talk about David and Ziklag. You've probably heard Ziklag preached up one side and down the other. But there's so much we can learn from this story. David and his men were on the run from King Saul and living in exile with the Philistines. He and his band of 600 merry men had been given the city of Ziklag and were living there with their wives and with their families. After three days away, David and his men returned home to find that Ziklag had been sacked by the Amalekites. Let's pick it up at 1 Samuel chapter 30 in the King James Version. Verse 1, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. 
Then David and the people that were with them lifted up their voice and wept until they had no power to weep. You ever been in a situation that you just cried and cried and cried until you couldn't cry anymore? This is where they were. The depth of depression. Verse 5 says, And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. You think? Hallelujah. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, I know it's hard to do, but this was a man who was not born again and not spirit filled. He just had the spirit upon and somehow, some way in the midst of this great tragedy, he was able to encourage himself in the Lord. Now, how much more should we born again, spirit filled believers be able to do that? Speak to yourself, say self, straighten up, be encouraged. The Lord is with you. He will see you through to victory. He will see you through to restoration. He will recover all that is lost. I imagine that's what David was saying to himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes you are the number one cheerleader in your camp and you need to sound off at times like this. Amen. Now the women and the children represented the future for David and his men. In their minds, it was as if their future had been ripped out of their hands and there was no hope of ever recovering what had been lost. Sometimes we feel like when the future is lost, there's no way it'll ever be recovered. They had no idea where to look for them. And really, they didn't have any idea whether they were still alive. They were in the depths of despair. But even in the face of mutiny by his men, David found the strength to encourage himself in the Lord. And he immediately sought the counsel of the Lord. Verse 7. And David said to Abathar the priest... Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. Ephod, ephod, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. but. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So armed with the promise of the Lord, David launched an expedition to find and recover all that had been lost. They came across an Egyptian servant in the wilderness who was left behind sick by the Amalekites, and he was able to lead them to the place where the Amalekites were camped. Now remember, in Jehoshaphat's case, they didn't have to fight. But I think this is a teaching moment. God doesn't answer the same way every time. He's not going to deliver you the same way every time. Sometimes you won't have to fight, but sometimes you will have to fight. Sometimes he'll say, just be still and watch me work. Other times he'll say, get out there and fight until you achieve victory. This is one of those times. Verse 17, David knew he was going to have to fight when he found these guys. He knew he was going to have to rescue all those women and children from the hands of the Amalekites. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. Now, this is a sidebar, but I find it interesting. Not a man was left except for 400 guys that took off on camels. Okay. All right. I'm sort of a military guy, so I'm thinking, okay, David only has 600 men. And if you read the story, he left 200 by the stuff. So he's only got 400 men. 
So he must have wiped out a force that was much greater than 400. If only 400 escaped. Glory to God. So it was a tremendous victory, but he still had to fight. How many know, even though he had to fight, the Lord was with him if he whipped an army that was much greater than his army. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And if you read the story, he not only recovered all, but he took all the spoil of the enemy, all the flocks, all the herds, all the things of value that he found on the dead bodies of the men that they smote. Isn't that a good biblical word? Smote them (laughs) from morning to evening. Amen. Until none of them were left. They were all smitten. Hallelujah. By David and his men. Glory to God. Sometimes when you've suffered a significant setback and it seems that your dreams have been dashed, God will arrange divine appointments and divine connections. He'll bring people into your life that will lead you to a place of recovery and restoration. He'll help you recover all that was lost and even add to what was lost on top of what you have. Amen. That's the God we serve. Glory to God. I have had this happen in my life. I have been in a place where it seemed that all was lost and my dreams were dashed. And God brought key people into my life, into the life of me and my wife that helped us. A chart a path to restoration and recovery. And if God did it for me, he can do it for you. Amen. Glory to God. So let me wrap this up by discussing some of the key takeaways of this message and these wonderful stories. So what do we do when we don't know what to do? Well, number one, when you feel trapped, always remember, there's always a way out. There's always a way forward. Number two, when you're facing overwhelming odds, Praising God is always appropriate. It helps you remember that you and God are a majority. If God be for you, who in the world can be against you? Romans chapter 8 says, amen. Number three, when all seems lost and your future looks bleak, always remember that God can lead you to a place of complete and total restoration, and it usually involves the help of key people in your life and ministry. Amen. Number four, whether you feel trapped whether you're facing overwhelming odds or whether all seems lost in your life, the answer always begins the same way. When faced with adversity, seek the counsel of the Lord. Keep pressing in until you get an answer. Then follow the instructions of the Lord. Remember, he won't always do it the same way as we've already alluded to. Sometimes you'll have to fight. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes he'll tell you to move forward. Sometimes he'll tell you to stand still, but just seek the Lord, get his instructions and follow them faithfully. And he'll chart the path out of your current situation. He'll chart the path to your victory. Amen. Amen. We believe in God, the father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And he's given us new life We believe in the crucifixion We believe that he conquered death We believe in the resurrection And he's coming back again
again.